Hey, it's Pastor Mike. A really small step that could be a really big blessing to our ministry and to the kingdom of God is you taking just a second to rate and review this podcast. You probably know how algorithms work. More people get to hear about this podcast and most importantly, hear about Jesus when you do. So thanks for helping us out and may God bless you today. What do you do when you're feeling so lonely? Where do you go when you feel disconnected from God and from everyone else? What do you do and, and where do you go when you feel like your sin and your guilt is weighing you down so much? Well, friends, we always want to take this to our God. But in this particular week, I'm going to encourage you to do just that with a Bible book called Ephesians. We're going to do something a little bit different this week. Rather than going over various aspects of a topic, this week we're going to read together through the Bible book called Ephesians. And so I want to challenge you, read this Bible book. It only takes a few minutes, maybe 25, 30 minutes to read the whole Bible book. And then read through it day by day in chunks and chapters as we study what God has to say to us. And so allow me to give you a little bit of context before we start. The ancient city of Ephesus really isn't much today. It's located in the country we now know as Turkey. But back then, at the Apostle Paul's time in the first century, it was a big city. It was bustling with business. It was a harbor city. And Paul made a point to stop there on his second and third mission trip. The city was also especially known for its worship of false gods, in particular the goddess Artemis. There in Ephesus was this huge temple. It was actually one of the ancient wonders of the world. And so in this busy city, filled with so much worldliness, filled with so much idol worship, especially the goddess Artemis, Paul spent three years of his time more than at any other city. Well, fast forward in time about 10 years. Now it's about the year 62 AD. And after many journeys and a, and a long story cut short, Paul is now in the city of Rome in house arrest. And as he's sitting there in jail, in prison, he writes a number of letters, including this letter to the Ephesians. He's worried about them, he's concerned, and he wants them to stay connected to each other and to the Lord. And so we have this letter, this Bible book called Ephesians. And so let's dig in today to chapter 1 in particular. And we start from the very beginning. All of Paul's letters start pretty much the same way, and, and so does this one. He identifies himself as the author, Paul, an apostle of God. He, he identifies the recipients to the church in Ephesus, the saints, the believers, the Christians in Ephesus, and he has this neat little greeting that he uses so often, grace and peace to you. Just a quick word about that. Every word of the Bible matters, including these two little words. In the Gentile world, they would often start their letters with the introduction and greeting, kyrine, which means like hello or greetings. But here Paul has a little twist. He uses the word charis which sounds similar, but it means grace, God's undeserved love. So that's a word that would catch the attention of the Gentile Greek people. Then he uses the word peace or shalom in Hebrew, which is what the Jewish people would use to greet each other. So with this little greeting, there's a preview of what's coming, grace and peace to you in Jesus. But it's a word for Gentiles and for Hebrew people. And so that's a preview of the theme of Ephesians 2 the unity that we have in 
Christ, the grace and peace that we have in Christ. In fact, as you read the book of Ephesians, you're going to find that phrase, in Christ or in Jesus Christ or in Him, used more than 60 times. It's all about this connection that we have to one another and to God and His love. Well, from that neat little introduction, Paul jumps into the meat, the opening of his letter. And in the English Bibles, that's verses 3 to 14. Take a careful look as you read this first chapter at all the times you see in him, in Christ Jesus. You're going to read that we were chosen in him, we were sealed in him, we were predestined, which means to choose in advance. Even before we were born, God knew that we would be his. We were redeemed, bought back in Christ. All these blessings come to us and If you pay really close attention, the first couple verses, Paul mentions the Father, then he mentions Jesus the Son, and at the end of those verses, he mentions the Holy Spirit. One other quick little point that is so fascinating. You see all these verses 3 to 14 in English with the periods for different sentences, but guess what? In the Greek language, the original language, it's actually one complete run-on sentence, more than 200 words. Now, why would Paul do that? He's actually a brilliant person. Why would he have this long run-on sentence of over 200 words? Well, I think it's kind of like when my kids come home from school, especially my daughter, she gets so excited. Daddy, guess what happened today? This happened, and then my friend did this, and then at recess, this happened, and then we had practice for this, and this, and this, and this. Paul sort of sets a tone of excitement and praise. It's almost like he can't contain himself. I don't have time for a period. I'm just going to go on praising God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all that we have in Christ. It's an opening hymn of praise, really. And then chapter 1 concludes with a prayer for the Ephesians. Paul praises them and thanks God for their faith, and, and he has a prayer that they would continue to grow in their knowledge of the hope and the riches that they have in Christ and the power that they have in God. Because as he closes the first chapter, he says, all things are under Jesus' feet and all things are held together in him. So today, be sure, if you read the whole book of Ephesians, that would be a great preview. But make sure you also read Ephesians chapter 1, a wonderful introduction to know all the reasons for us to praise God because of the blessings that are ours in Christ. And then come back again tomorrow and we'll read through Ephesians chapter 2 together. This week we are diving into the depths of the book of Ephesians together, a letter that Paul wrote to dear Christian people that he loved very much in the city of Ephesus. Today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. Think about the sobering and very sad scene that too many of us have been to. Passing through the winding roads of a cemetery and seeing row after row after row of tombstones. How sad to think about all the lives that were lost. How sad to be overwhelmed by the painful thing that is death. Well, Ephesians chapter 2 starts out very directly with just that. Paul says, as for you, you were dead, dead in your transgressions and sins. It's a very sad and sobering reminder of what we really are spiritually. We are dead 
in our sin. The Bible says, Surely I was sinful from birth, from the time my mother conceived me. The Bible says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is true for every single one of us. Sin separates us from each other, but sin also separates us from God. And that state of spiritual death is something that all of us suffer through. We are lost on our own. But that's the joy of this Bible book and especially the focus of Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says, you were dead. That was your condition. You were dead in your sins and the way you lived. But God made us alive in Christ Jesus. And there's that phrase we're going to emphasize in Ephesians this week, in Christ. Paul says this is by grace alone. Not anything you have done twice, he says, it is by grace alone that you are saved. This is the amazing news. This is the gospel, the good news, that we were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ. And so Paul says and writes those famous words, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, even even faith itself, it's a gift of God. It's not by works, so that no one can boast. All our pride, all our joy, all our hope is squarely on God and his undeserved love that he has given to us through Christ Jesus. And so because that's the case, Paul goes on to say in in verse 10 that we are God's handiwork, or some translations say God's craftsmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Think about your life and all the opportunities you have to respond to God's grace. That verse has a special place in my heart. I think of a time that I was on a mission trip in Africa. And after we had spent a number of days with some youth and working with children there in Africa, the missionary had a little devotion with us and he talked about these verses 8, 9, and 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. And he said, think about this. Even before you were born, God knew that he would save you through Jesus Christ. And even more than that, he knew that he would send you out and he knew that you would be here in Africa helping these people and sharing the good news of Jesus. There's a touching moment to think about how God knew his grace would be in my life and how he knew I would serve him and share that grace with others. The same is true for you. Like like a pot, God is forming you together and he knows how you are and he knows how you would be and that you would hear the good news of Christ. But he also knows how you can share that with others to serve him and give him glory. And so what does this wonderful news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus do for our relationships with each other? As I mentioned, sin destroys, it it tears apart, it makes us dead to God but also dead to one another and we see that, that tearing apart of relationships every day. Well, God has repaired our relationship with God and and guess what? He's also repaired our relationship with other people. And so that's what the second half of Ephesians chapter 2 is all about. He uses a fancy word, reconciled, which means to, to make a relationship right. In the second half of this chapter, he talks about two opposing groups, the Jewish people who had been God's people and the Gentile people, the non-Jews, And where there would have been separation or hatred or hostility or division, now that relationship has been repaired in Christ. We have a restored relationship with God and we have restored relationships with each other. And so it doesn't matter 
where you live or if you're male or female, what your ethnicity or race might be, God has united us with all other fellow believers through faith in Christ Jesus. At the end of the chapter, he says, we are built into one household. We are built on Christ Jesus. We all stand on the same Savior. What wonderful, joyful news. All the hurt and pain that we have because of my own sin and my sins against other people, it's washed away in the blood of Christ. We are saved by grace and that grace changes the way I live for God and the way I live in relationships with other people. So go enjoy God's grace, people, and enjoy today Ephesians chapter 2 as you read it, pray about it, and study it. And come back as we look more at Ephesians tomorrow. This week we have the joy of reading through the book of Ephesians together. And how rich are the words that the Apostle Paul writes for us to know all the blessings that come to us in Christ. A focus of his letter to the Ephesians and our thoughts for this week. Now today we're going to think about Ephesians chapter 3 and more of the blessings that are ours in Christ. Paul starts out this chapter talking about a mystery. Now you can think about some of the great mysteries of this world, maybe crimes that have gone unsolved, or maybe you can think about scientific mysteries, like how does it work that all the, the planets move in their orbit and don't crash into each other? Only God knows how he made that work so specially and so perfectly. I maybe think of the mystery of how my wife could love such a bum like me. There are all these mysteries, but maybe the greatest of all is what Paul talks about here in Ephesians 3. And as he writes about God's wisdom in all the world, he gets to this main thought. The mystery is that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, have been included in God's grace. Now remember some of the history there where God called his people specifically from the line of Abraham and said, you are going to be my people. And then later on it was Jacob who became Israel and the Israelites came from that and the Savior came from the Israelite Jewish people. Well, here's a mystery for us to learn and appreciate and enjoy down to the depths of our heart. God has revealed this mystery that his love, his grace, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is not just for the Jews, for the Israelites. It's for all people. That includes me, a Gentile. And so Paul writes about this manifold wisdom of God that Jesus would live and die and rise again for all people. And then Paul writes about this special privilege that he had, that, that he could share that good news, that Jesus is for the Gentiles too. And he has a, a strange little phrase that he writes in there. He calls himself the least of all God's people. And, and maybe you might think to yourself, well, <laughs> what do you mean, Paul, the least of God's people? I mean, you are possibly one of the greatest apostles of all time. How could you be the least or, or the worst? But don't forget Paul's backstory, that he used to be known as Saul. Saul, who was a part of persecuting and seeking out and imprisoning, even murdering Christians. And yet God's grace came to him and the forgiveness and the love that are his through Jesus. And he turned his life around by God's grace and now he's going out and preaching that grace to others. And so that's why he calls himself the least of God's people with the greatest privilege of all to go and tell others 
the good news that Jesus is their Savior too. That's what we enjoy, the goodness of God's grace. And so as we read through this chapter, we think about this goodness of God that that comes to all people, and then we think about how God uses that in each of our lives. And so Paul writes this very personal and thoughtful prayer on how he wants the Ephesians to continue to grow in this mystery of God's grace, to grow and become rooted and established in God's love and to flourish in their lives of love for God and their love for one another. And so as Paul wraps up this chapter and thinks about the immeasurable goodness of God's love, he has this sort of doxology, which means like a a word or a phrase of praise to conclude the chapter. He says in one of the lines, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I have to tell you, those words are are very personal to me. When I was a pastor previously at, at a church, it was a mission church. We started with almost nothing, with just a few people. And I used these words at a devotion for a dedication of a new building. And it wasn't our first building project or our second or our third. It was the fourth building project in less than a decade. Our, our school, our church had been growing and flourishing. And I thought back to the days when we were just sitting around in the living room with a handful of people and I had no idea what to do and they had no idea what to do. We barely even had a church name at that point. And then you fast forward less than a decade, about eight or nine years, and God had showered all these blessings on us more than we could ask or even imagine. This is the goodness of God. And as you read through chapter 3, I want you to reflect on that. Not only on how God has opened up and revealed this mystery to you, that you, you are included in God's grace, but, but also think about the other things that come to you through Christ. The connection to other people. The peace that you have every day knowing that God is with you. The hope that you have of everlasting life, the the comfort knowing that every sin of yours is forgiven every day in Jesus. It's so true. God can and does do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And of course, this awesome fact underscores and underlies it all. It's all ours in Christ. That's Ephesians chapter 3. Dig into it, meditate on it, read it today. And come back again tomorrow as we think more about how God's grace belongs to us in Christ as we learn it from the book of Ephesians. Today we're continuing to read through the book of Ephesians. And what a joy it's been for us to track through and see the grace that belongs to us in Christ as Paul writes about it in this magnificent letter we call Ephesians. Today we're going to specifically focus on chapter 4 up to chapter 5, verse 20. I suppose you could say that the first three chapters divide nicely into being about all the blessings that are ours in Christ. Talking about our relationship to God and how that's all been repaired through Jesus and the blessings that belong to us in Him. Then the next three chapters, they divide nicely into being about our relationship with other people. So the focus, the emphasis on these last three chapters will be about all the things that we have in our Christian living together as God's people. And so that's how Paul starts out Ephesians chapter 4. He says, thinking about all that that we heard about in the first three chapters about the, the grace that is ours in Christ, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. 
think about all that Christ has done for us and the love that he pours out. Knowing that love and that grace, how can we live lives that honor him? Well, the first way he mentions is by having unity. There is nothing more that that would dishonor God who repaired our relationship with him than by fracturing our relationship with other people because of our sins, our, our hatred, our jealousy, our envy. And so another verse that starts out this chapter is Paul saying, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. How can you look for ways to make connections with people, to tear down walls by God's grace and love and and to build up relationships because we are united by faith in Jesus Christ? Now, one way that we can look to do that kind of a thing is by growing in our faith. And so another emphasis we're going to see in these chapters is spiritual maturity. Now, that's tough to do on our own because many of us, myself included, are very immature because of the sinful nature inside. I just fall prey to so many temptations. Well, that's where God has a very special blessing for us. And the Apostle Paul writes about it. He says, God himself gave some people to help us with that, some to be apostles, some to be prophets or evangelists or pastors and teachers. So maybe you can think about the pastors and teachers and other people who are spiritual leaders in your life. Paul reminds us here that God gave those people specifically to equip us, to equip us for works of service so that we can serve the Lord. Then we won't be like like infants. And the picture here is maybe being on, on a lake or or at the sea and you're kind of tossed back and forth in a boat by the waves and the wind. No, we want to grow up to be spiritually mature adults, people who aren't tossed back and forth by every false teaching, every temptation, every sin that's out there. So thank God for the spiritual leaders like pastors and teachers who help us to grow up in maturity and how we live together, united, but also in this life that is worthy of the calling we've received. And so from there, the Apostle Paul progresses into some very specific talk about how we should live, living these lives worthy of glorifying God. And he's going to have some very specific examples that you will read in these chapters about sins that we might fall into. And some of them are very common sins that we see in our world. They weren't just common back in Paul's day in the first century. They're common and all around us today. And he makes this comparison about living in the darkness versus living in the light. When we were apart from Christ, we were in the dark, living like many people in this world, wicked lives and they just don't care. They're they're totally lost. But that's not you. That's not me. We're in the light now, the light of Jesus' love and forgiveness. And so part of being spiritually mature and living this life worthy of the calling we've received is to let that light of Jesus shine through us. And that's where we transition into Ephesians chapter 5. And I'll cut you off at verse 20 today. We'll focus on the first half where Paul talks about following God's example that we have in Christ Jesus to live a life of love. How we treat others, how we give glory to God. Maybe it makes us think about the very famous Bible verse. Jesus tells us all of God's commands are are summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And maybe the second half of that even more so is now the emphasis of chapter 5. 
Don't get caught up in the sins of this world. Don't get caught up in the things that fracture relationships, the brokenness and hurt of temptation and sin. It just ruins relationships with God and with other people. And so live in the light. Live in the light of Jesus Christ. Bask in the glory of his love and then show that light, reflect that light, show that love to others in how you live. As you read through Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to chapter 5, verse 20 today, take some time to think about that. How can you avoid the darkness of this world? How can you soak in the light of Jesus' love? And, and how can you then show that love to other people in how you live? And as you think about that, meditate on that, and pray on that today, come back one more time as tomorrow we look at the closing of this beautiful letter of Ephesians and we see just a few more blessings that belong to us in Christ Jesus. Today we're coming to an end of our deep dive into the book of Ephesians. And it's been a pleasure this week to think very carefully about God's words to us through the Apostle Paul, writing to these dear people in the city of Ephesus and teaching about how we have so many blessings that belong to us in Christ. Again, that's the focus of Ephesians, grace in Christ, everything that comes to us in Jesus. Today we're going to focus on the last part of the book, starting at chapter 5, verse 21, going all the way through the end of chapter 6. And well, we're going to dive right into the depths of some really tough stuff. Again, now the context that we are in is Paul is in the second half of the letter, talking about living a life worthy of the calling we have received. That's what he says at the beginning of chapter 4. And so we're thinking about how we can let our lights shine and show love for other people. And now at verse 21, we're going to start with some really tough stuff. So he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So take a time out here. It's so important in the Bible to understand context. The context here again is showing love for other people. And, and chapter 5 verse 1 makes that very clear. And here in verse 21, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're talking about our love for each other. But it's that word submit that's going to cause us to trip for just a second. So we need to think about this. With English ears, we hear that word submit and we probably think of bad things like being lesser than someone, being dominated or controlled or bossed around. But in the Greek language, that, that word hupotasso, it really shows respect for other people. And so maybe a good definition in their language of submit is to show humble love and respect. So please understand, submit is not a bad word, it's a good word, that, that we show humble love and respect to each other as fellow Christians. Now I say that because it's the next verse that sometimes really causes people to stumble, where he talks about wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord in everything. And that's where people gasp, oh, what, how are we back hundreds of years and now we're repressing women and people kind of flip out when they take this out of context. But understand again that we're talking about a word that's not bad, show humble love and respect. Wives, show that humble love and respect as you would to the Lord and to Jesus for all that he has done. And so what we have in these verses now is specifically about husband and wife. And he says that there's these different roles that husband and wife play out. Wives are going to submit, show humble love and respect. And husbands are going to lead, but they're going to lead 
like Christ, which means not as a boss or someone who dominates, a dictator, but this is someone who is self-sacrificing, who is loving like Jesus loved us, the church, like he loves believers. And so think about this parallel, that just as Jesus loved us and gave himself for us, and we respond in thanks, we submit to him, so husbands should take the lead with their self-sacrificing love. And in response, wives submit. They, they show love and respect and thanks back. And so please understand, these verses have nothing to do about greater than or less than or inequality. Husband and wife, male and female in marriage, are, are equal. They're, they're partners, but they have different roles in how they interact with each other, like a beautiful dance step, maybe one leading and the other following, but when you watch it, hardly even looks like there's a leader. And so in marriage, we show this beautiful love dancing together in the way that God loves us and we love him. Well, then as you flip into chapter 6, this love for each other continues in very specific ways. So think about how he's applying this, husbands and wives, and now he's moving on. And he says, children, you too show love. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So a reminder to all children to honor and respect and love their parents. But parents aren't off the hook. He says, fathers, don't exasperate, or another translation, don't embitter your children. So that's a reminder to all of us who are parents not to be overbearing or overly harsh. We can certainly discipline our children and show them love, but to show them the kind of love, again, like, like we have received from Jesus himself. Well, then we get to another area of application that's a little challenging for some people, especially if you rip it out of context. And that's because Paul talks about slaves and masters. Now, please, when you read these verses, don't think about what we know as American slavery in our history or some other parts of the world where slavery is just awful. Understand that in Paul's time, Slaves were usually treated very different. Yes, it's true that at times slaves were treated quite harshly, but in many cases they were more like servants or maybe you could say a butler. Sometimes the, the slaves were actually tutors or, or household servants who would cook for the children and they were living in the big Roman house and they were treated sometimes like family. So don't think here that Paul is advocating for the atrocity of slavery that we have known in world history. And how do I know this for sure? Not just from world history documents and, and history books, but also from what Paul says. First of all, he addresses these servants and tells them to honor and to respect their, their masters. Maybe we might use the word bosses, their employers here in this world, to honor them as they would the Lord. But then he addresses the masters, the bosses, the employers, if you will, and tells them to treat them with love and respect because they are helping them, they are employing them, much as God uses us as his helpers here in this world. And so we understand that the dynamic here is not, I'm above you and you're lesser than me, but rather that this is a dynamic of business relationship that is almost like a dynamic of brother and sister in Christ. And so again, this is a dynamic of a relationship that is based on love. Not on bossing, not on domineering, not on hatred. And so here again is a matter of maturity. Paul is in this context talking about loving and living for the Lord as mature people. And there's one more matter of maturity to address. And that's how we live with the armor of God. 
just soak in those verses of Ephesians chapter 6. Read them with careful intent to see how God covers us and strengthens us and empowers us and equips us with all this armor like his word, the truth, the gospel, etc. Just enjoy what God gives you in your Christian life in this world to empower you to be his people. And then as we read to the end of chapter 6, Paul finishes with one special prayer and blessing, a greeting, if you will, talking again about the peace and the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ. And, and what a, a fitting way to greet those people and to send them off with, with closing thoughts. Grace in Christ. Because that is, in fact, a theme for the book of Ephesians. The blessings that are ours, the undeserved love, the grace that belongs to us in Jesus. It changes our relationship with God. It, it changes our relationship with one another. And so as you read through these final chapters and maybe reread through the whole book of Ephesians, think about that. The grace that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. What a blessing. What a joy to know everything that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord.